You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Time of the week again here in the Dockland Studios. And some of us not in the Dockland Studios this afternoon for our State of Our Football Nation, the weekly Football Nation radio program that takes a, uh, a wide lens look at the, uh, the health of the game here in the country of Australia. And it's uh, my pleasure to be joined this week virtually by uh, the man himself, the main host of this program, the star of the show, George Staniki. And George, uh, warm welcome to you. How are you, how are you going out in, out in Zoomland? Uh, I am in Zoomland. I'm in Torquay, actually, and uh, getting ready to talk to a couple of people who have um, a very important story that needs to be told. Now, there'll be some of you in the audience who don't know too much about the upcoming story. There'll be some of you who know a little bit about it. And, of course, there'll be others who have a whole lot more knowledge than, uh, than some of us. But uh, we want to give um, the people from the um, Port Melbourne Soccer Club, the Port Melbourne uh, Sharks, a, a bit of a, an opportunity to tell us Something that they heard last week which changed their lives and we want to see the state of play. And uh, we're joined by the president of the club, uh, Bill Romanovsky and uh, Gab uh, Vittori. Uh, both of you there, Gabrielle and, uh, and Bill, welcome to the State of Our Football Nation. Um, let, me, let me know, when did the day or the week for you change? Uh, let's start with Bill. Thanks, George, and hello there, everyone. Um, Yes, uh, well, the, the, the game cha- changed for us last Wednesday when we were notified um, via a quick Zoom meeting that unfortunately the, uh, the facility that we play at uh, was removed from being um, a hosting facility for the 2023 Women's World Cup. So what does that mean, Bill? What did that decision mean? And who, uh, with, who, who was the one, uh, you know, tasked with telling you? Um. Yeah, the task was uh, delivered by uh, a responsible officer from the city of Port Phillip um, who who's relayed a message that it was decided that, uh, that the facility was no longer available for um, for the uh, for the women's World Cup. Do they give you any reasons? I mean, they've made an agreement. They've made a promise, I think, nearly three years ago when this decision was handed down and the, the whole of Australia... Uh, got very, very excited, as did New Zealand, when they heard there was a, a joint a World Cup bid accepted by FIFA. And I can re- still remember the scenes, uh, James Johnson, uh, um, uh, uh, Chris Nicku, and, uh, and every Matilda I can imagine on the planet uh, jumped through the roof when they heard the news that uh, we were going to be sharing uh, a magnificent Women's World Cup. And is there a bigger sporting trend at the moment uh, than women's football? No, George, you're spot on. Um, and we were celebrating when, when our facility was selected. Um, we, we were over the moon. Um, you know, so what's happened? Well, what's happened, George, is uh, the facility is no longer part of their program. Um, it's a question that you need to put to to the uh, city of Port Phillip as to why it was being, why has it's been removed from, uh, from FIFA uh, uh, using it. Um, I can only listen to what the um, messages have been sent back to us by by people responsible for making that decision is, is that the facility would not have been brought up to the standard required and therefore it was removed. So if, if it can't be brought up to, to speed, uh, why make the promise? That's a very good question, George. And again, uh, it's a question that needs to be put to 
to the city of Port Phillip uh, and and why why the you know why go through the uh, process? Uh, you know, we we started this journey three years ago, Gab. Yeah, yep. uh, three years ago we 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 started this journey. We we as a football club and as a board decided to back the uh, the the, uh, the application, bid. the bid. We certainly supported our women's group um, in order to to put the best presentation forward. And yeah, like I said, like you were saying earlier, George and Nico and Johnson were jumping up and down with joy, as was our club when we were selected, because um, we thought, wow, we did a sensational job of uh, of of presenting our, our facility, and and we got through. I don't want to be churlish, Bill uh, and Gab, uh, but uh, this reminds me of a, of a horrible situation many years ago when I was president of South Melbourne. And we were offered by a sponsor uh, a lot of money. And they gave us a cheque. They made a big deal about um, the publicity. They were thrilled to bits to have photos taken. And three months later, they said, can we have the cheque back? <laughs> so I didn't feel very special. And I remember saying to the, the board at the time, let's just give them the money back um you know what i don't want anything to do with these people and this is and, and this is three months after they've sat there and luxuriated in in all the publicity and all the mm. uh, the, the feel-good moments and i'm thinking i'm thinking that the port phillip council would have been thrilled a bits to be lauded and um lifted during that uh, initial phase when uh, they got a, a special spotlight put on them and made to feel very special and suddenly out of nowhere how far away are we from the competition? We're oh, just under a year, is that correct? Probably eight, nine months yet. And we're told now that the ground will not be able to meet the, stand, the required standards for a Women's World Cup. Is that right? That's, that's what's been put forward, George. Correct. Gabrielle, tell me, from the player's perspective, uh, you, you have um, uh, not only teammates but uh, people that you care for and play with and and a part of a football club, uh, the women's teams, it's more than one. Um, how do you feel about this decision? Completely let down. It is such a huge let down for us um, as players, as women, as young girls, as a club, as wow. a rate payer, because this, this opportunity to have um, our our young girls and even my teammates to see their heroes come and train on our facilities where we can see them with our own eyes, where we can watch them train, where we can get autographs, where we can, you know, look up to these amazing, young, skillful women. These are heroes to some of our girls. This was going to be a massive opportunity for for the local municipality, for ratepayers, for young girls and women, for my teammates, for me, you know, as an older woman, to see these young girls go out there and make a career of, of you know, playing football is just amazing. I didn't grow up with that. So no, 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 was... no. I was just going to say, Bill and, and, and Lockie and I, and I'm sure you too, Gab, will know that over the last two or three years, We've seen an explosion in sport and the leaders at the very forefront. I'm not talking about Formula One. I'm talking about the game of football. And the biggest thing going on is women's football. Absolutely. And we've all just, and we're all still um, stunned 
with the impact and the power of the Euros, the women's yeah. Euros. And we saw, uh, and the English, by the way, I should add, the English mm. have still not come down from cloud, whatever cloud they were on. <laughs> uh, and then they're, they're not likely to come down for another few months. Um, 87,000 people jammed yeah. into mm. modern Wembley and the rest of the country, the ratings were off the, off the, off the crook. Um, uh, the radio coverage was extraordinary. And they're telling us, they're telling us that they haven't seen anything like it. And you're telling me that we've got a women's World Cup, which is one step again mm. higher than the Euros. We've got a chance to have England, right? Yeah. Or Spain, as we've seen, or uh, Germany front up at Port Melbourne. Yep. The train, if indeed that that is the draw and the way they land, and when there, you know, there's no sureties in life. But can you imagine being deprived of that? Absolutely, I'm, I'm, that's why. But it gets worse than that. But it yeah. gets worse, Gab. Tell mm. me what happened last week. Not only oh. were you given this 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 dud decision, um, something happened. Was it Wednesday night when you when you were playing? No, or was Sunday. It Thursday night? Sunday. Oh. Sunday. Yeah, after we had our meeting at the club, well, our rally, I should say, at the club um, with the mayor and a couple of other uh, councillors from City of Port Phillip. Uh, so the mayor did front. Yes, he did. He did, and and you know, it, it was it, it was an okay meeting, not really, no. But uh, we all went off and about our day, my team went and played in the afternoon, and then late that night, our state two girls had a game at six o'clock under lights. And um, adding insult to injury, uh, we were 12 minutes into the second half. We were one goal up. We were just awarded a penalty. And at that very moment when our key striker, young Ange, 15 years old, is lining the ball up, bang, the lights go out. It was so you're telling me, so you're telling me you've got, the, you've got the team that's running third in the competition in your sights, mm. and you got a, a huge and, upset is in the wind, yes. and the lights and, go off. And to yep. be absolutely clear, Gab, this wasn't like a you know, the lights, the council lights no. have hit a turn off at like six o'clock on the hour. It's time to no. go off. They just abruptly went. Correct. There are no timers. We control the lights, and so we turn them on, and they stay on until we turn them off. I was right next to the rooms where those lights are monitored. I, no one went in. There was there was no timing issue. They just went out. It's just another example of the sub-standard facilities that we have at, at, at Port Melbourne Soccer Club. So what happens now with that game? Can you so, pick up where you left off or do you have no, to start again? It has to so it's start a replay, again. full replay? Yes. Yes, because less than 80% of the game was played, it has to be restarted. Well, it's devastating. Uh, Bill, that, that would please you no end, wouldn't it, Bill? Huh. Look, Georgia, uh, and, and let's put it down to an isolated incident. I, I'm not sure what has occurred to the floodlights that evening. Um, it, it's an unfortunate scenario. Our, our, our women's team were playing, I think, the top top team, Gab. Third, the third on the ladder. Third team. And, uh, yeah, 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 look, it was great to see the, the female Sharks winning 1-0 and about to score another goal. And, unfortunately, what's occurred has occurred. Um, I did, look, I'm just going to put that down to an isolated incident in saying that the facilities uh, certainly need 
um, attention and they need to be um, looked at. And then we need to look forward to to uh, some sort of upgrade over the next 12 months. So what can we hear? What have we heard? What did the mayor say to you on Sunday morning when you had the uh, protest rally at the, at the grounds? Gabby? He, he was very keen to listen, but I personally felt like that all landed on deaf ears. You so know, it was show, show business. It was show. He spoke about some report that uh, he insinuated that FIFA changed the goalposts. We haven't seen that report. We don't know. No one can get a hold of this report. He, he told me and all of us to our faces at that moment in time, he is not very hopeful that this will be reinstated. So, Did this go to the councillors to, for a vote or was this a unilateral decision from the top of the, uh, the council? How, how could it be that the mayor could, you know, be looking over a decision and, and be talking as though it's out of his hands? Surely these kind of decisions are at the core down to, you know, someone in that position's call. I, I find that a very interesting way of approaching the situation. These are all very good questions. Mm. Well, Bill, uh, I've just I've just seen my rate bill, and, uh, and it keeps going <laughs> up. It doesn't get doesn't go down. It keeps going up, and they're telling us that we can assume from this or deduce from this, Lockie, that they haven't got the funds that they were supposedly putting mm. to one side in order to create the this refurbishment and this upgrade. Yeah, is well, that is that my reading, Bill? Is that am I wrong? Um. Well, that's certainly one way to look at it, George. Uh, um, okay. All right. Look, the faci- the facility uh, when presented to 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 the uh, team that visited and 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 the council that that prof- that visited and we were eventually selected. The facility presented pretty well um, at the time. It's a it's a it's a beautiful little boutique facility. That's right. That's it, it needs a new pitch. It needs drainage um, and a new pitch. And it well, it, it certainly needs uh, attention and. Uh, have they not sourced the funds? Um, that's a question again to put to council. Why those uh, funds weren't weren't looked? You know, why did they go for. and ask 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 for them? Um, I know I can tell you from from our perspective, we work tirelessly to to assist the uh, city of Port Phillip in present you know presenting our facilities um, from um, change rooms to clubhouse. I know the you know, the the, uh, the members rallied. We've refurbished internally. Our clubhouse. We've recently installed a, a very nice electrical scoreboard. Mm. So, when FIFA came out to do the uh, inspection, our, our facilities presented well, and the ground surface was maintained to a very good level back in October of last year. Yeah. The question has to be asked: What's happened from October to current date? That's that's unfortunately put the who's, who's responsible for the ground, the pitch, the, main, the, the maintenance, servicing, and yeah, the maintenance though. Yeah, the, the city of Port Phillip um, does the maintenance via a subcontractor uh, at, at the facility, and um, you know that's a that's a question that that needs to be asked uh, uh, of of the responsible officers. How do we get to to uh, being selected to being unselected? Um, that's a very good question. Mm. It's a question, question, George. Uh, The the council had an opportunity to apply for some grants through through football. I'm not sure if it's Victoria or Australia, and the state government, which would have covered more than eighty percent of the costs to bring our 
um, our facilities up to standard, up to code. For and feedback. what happened? What they happened? didn't apply. They just didn't apply. Okay. Okay. Um, Bill, I know you've got a, a prior commitment and, and we're going to thank you and let you uh, fly off and meet that commitment. But I want uh, Gab to stay on uh, because there are, there are a couple of things I want to run past you, Gab, and that is what's next and how does the club feel? How do the women feel? We're devastated. We really are. We were expecting to see uh, our heroes come out to, to train on the pitch we were expecting to see some upgrades that would um, facilitate possibly, you know, more teams of young girls. You, I need to make make it clear we've got two community two community women's teams. Uh, our age age ranges are from fifteen to fifty three. My daughter being the youngest, me being the oldest, <laughs> she should not be playing on my team. She should have a group of of players in her team that are all roughly her age. I don't, you know, we. It, it's just not the way it should be. And unfortunately our facilities can't accommodate for any more, more teams. teams. Yeah. yeah so right. if we saw, if we saw our facilities upgraded, we could potentially have a younger grassroots program. Wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, tell me from, from the point of demand, are we getting a lot of people wanting to play the game? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm forever having, even halfway through the season, having people contact me saying, I'd love to join your team or, or young girls are asking my daughter at school, you know, do you have a, a young team program? So there yeah. is, the, the, the interest is definitely increasing. The demand is there. We, we need that support for women in sport. We need that, we need that mm. funding. We need these facilities to cater for the demand of girls and women in sport. And the thing is you know, as just well, a, that, that demand sorry, is, Lockie, is yeah. only going to increase from where it is now. Like if we, we think the appetite for joining teams, getting involved yeah. in the sport of football is big before the Women's World Cup. Imagine what's, what is to come when that tournament is actually on our shores, happening before our, oh. our very eyes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if I could just interject there, guys, um, uh, you, you, you guys are 100% spot on. I mean... To support the growth, yes, there is growth, George uh, and Lockie. Um, Council did a wonderful study um, back in 2010 and 2011 that identified that, that this football club will grow over 52% in this uh, in the next 20 years. Mm. Um, we're experiencing that now. We're, we're seeing that um, growth. We're seeing that explosion um, happen right in front of us. Uh, uh, could it grow further? 100% and it, is it going to go higher than 52% no doubt with the with the world cup coming to the uh to our shores um i have no doubt that um there would be more people wanting to play this code and particularly women uh particularly girls uh you know women participation in sport is what we've got behind at our football club um it's certainly in line with the state government's uh support as well of what they refer as game changer uh, or... what has steve demopoulos said what he's the yeah. he's the uh, the man responsible for the for the business uh, yep. at this level in this particular government the state government and i'm reminded too plumber street which is a, a big part of the uh, the precinct line that where your ground basically lies on it's a whole new city being built <laughs> you've got a whole new secondary school that's state-of-the-art you've got fields around you that are constantly being upgraded and supported 
I've, I've noticed that the Port Melbourne um, uh, AFL or VFL ground has just had the biggest lights in the world ever attended to. I, I think these are the lights second only to the MCG. I think I can, I think I can see them from if, South Yarra, to be honest with you. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, Lockie, you can probably see them from South Yarra. <laughs> but, but it's not a laughing matter. Gab will tell you, it's... Look, we're, we're in the middle. We're, we're, it's, we feel like we're being squeezed and Absolutely. someone's not listening. Look, I'll give you a, a, a very real example. Our community pitch, which sits right um, directly opposite our pitches one and two, have amazing uh, floodlights. They are they are second to none. They meet the criteria and beyond. 500 lux, yep. Our, our pitch two has um, two lights that light up half of the pitch from lengthways. So okay. when there's nobody training on the community pitch and when there's nobody training on the main pitch, we've got these two, they feel like light globes. You know? And then we're playing. It's not a laughing matter. It's not. It's not. Matter. And then we are playing in what has been described as a cow paddock. We've had teams come to play games on to, to our pitch and have said, you don't seriously think we're going to play on this, do you? And, and, and you know, we look at it and we, we make been, us realise how bad our facilities are. I was just going to say, I saw uh, an Australia Cup match or an FFA Cup match between Arpia, uh, NPL Club in New South Wales, and um, I think it was uh, Port Melbourne. And this mm. was a year or two. Was it a year or two ago? And oh, the ground, yeah, three years the ago. ground, yep. yeah, three years ago. And the ground was was in pristine condition, but the wear and tear, and mm. the and the, and the number of games played on it. Right now, you guys need as much support as is possible. Absolutely. And if and, and what we try, what I'd love to find out, and Bill, if you can help me, is there a plan uh, from council or state government? to come in and send a task force, uh, you know, like an emergency crew, road crew that comes in to do something to help this uh, opportunity not slip by or have we lost it? Um, have we lost it, George? I can't answer that. I think that's a question that needs to be put to to the city of Port Phillip hierarchy. Um, but yes, you're at, to answer your direct question, there is discussions right at the moment in regards to urgent attention towards the uh, playing surfaces of, uh, of of our football club. Look, the playing surface that we have at Port Melbourne is certainly in line with the keepings of the MPL um, and in some cases the A-League. What we're trying to do is deliver it to a level that FIFA require it for training. Yeah. Um, were, we, were we far off that? No, we weren't. No. Um, what's happened between October and January and to current date is a question that needs to be put forward. And why do we find ourselves in this position? Um, right. If we continued right. down the path of the maintenance that we we had in in the lead up to the presentation and being selected, I think we'd be on this show now celebrating the success mm. uh, of hopefully you know hosting one of the teams you mentioned earlier. Wow. This, this is a question too for our ratepayers. George, you and I and Bill, we all live in this municipality and our rates go to pay for some of these upgrades and, and you know, uh, maintenance. What question I'd like answered from our council is why 
literally over the 10 years I've been playing football, hundreds of thousands of dollars are going into to, um, repairing our pitches only for them to end up being cow paddocks. So why are we wasting ratepayers' money? Why don't we upgrade these facilities once and for all so that we don't, we don't have the council continuing to waste our money? It's got to end. It's got to um, end. Gab, uh, Lockie will tell you that uh, we saw uh, Melbourne City a number of years ago now uh, out at La Trobe at Bandura create a world-class facility in uh, how long did it take, Lockie? Uh, well, it wasn't very long. It was... It was, it was maybe, about nine months. Yeah, it was less than a oh, year wow. for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they've, and they've decommissioned that magnificent facility at Bandura and they've just started upgrading and spending, likely to spend $40 million uh, on Casey Fields. Mm. So what I'm saying is where there's a will, there's a way. Clearly the question we have to ask, and we're going to continue to ask it until we get a decision or, or an answer that stands up. Uh, Lockie and, and I have been talking about it all day and, and we're, we're struggling to understand why uh, a, a council as smart, uh, inverted commas, as Port Phillip has allow has allowed or is allowing the possibility that we're going to miss out on world-class teams from around the globe coming in and featuring in this beautiful um, uh, pocket of football uh, right in the heart of Melbourne. And that's Melbourne, uh, Port Melbourne. And it's, uh, look, Gab, you're absolutely right. You're flabbergasted. We are struggling to make sense of it. Uh, Bill, I can imagine your frustration, but to hear Gab and the, the girls uh, that you spoke of last Sunday, uh, to think that they've had a, a season like the one they've had, they won't give up. They're leading 1-0 with a penalty to come, which is, again, uh, as we saw in the penalty shootout last night, there are no guarantees. You've got to put it in the back of the net. But a chance to, to take on the, the third best team in the competition and, and beat them. And to be deprived of that uh, with this, um, uh, the lights going out. Look, it, whatever the reason was, it's just not good enough. Um, can I just take this opportunity to thank you, Bill? Because I know you've got work commitments that you've got to address. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Gab, is there anything else you want to um, basically tell the audience or give us to take on board and see if we can try and find an answer for you? Absolutely. One last thing. Our mayor has two choices. He can be the hero or he can be the devil. He can choose whether he steps up and works with government and all of the, the people key involved. Key stakeholders. Yeah. All the key stakeholders get this happening. He can be the hero or he can wipe his hands of it and walk away. It's his choice. Step up to the plate, be responsible, talk to the government, get the funding, get it done because I want my daughter to watch uh, uh, international heroes training on our facilities. I want to see these upgrades. I need to see a female-friendly change room. Get it happening. That's all I want. Uh, Gab, can I just ask, what position do you play in the football field? Uh, I've played a few over the years, but at the moment I'm in defence. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, Lockie, Lockie's a great commentator. He'll tell you. That sounds like a, a like a general in the back, making sure that nobody gets by. Is that right, Lockie? 
Yeah, that that sounds like organization organization talk to me. That's... Well, Bill, I definitely have you. the loudest voice, that's for sure. <laughs> well, don't change. Don't you dare change, Bill. We wish you and the club and everybody involved the, the best of luck. Uh, to you, Gab, and the rest of the women involved at, uh, at Port Melbourne uh, Sharks. Uh, go get them. Don't stop playing. And yeah. let's see if we can get some answers from uh, the state government, of course, and, uh, and uh, Port Phillip Council that I think have let um, uh, way too much water uh, under the bridge here and they've dropped the ball. And that is yeah. not right. For, because uh, well, I'm reminded that the mayors uh, sh- should not rule or, or serve for part of the audience, but for the whole community. Mm. And uh, I think that's what you were telling us too, Gab. Yes. Thank you once again. Thanks, George. Thanks, no guys. Thanks, Lockie. Thank you. We're, we're going to take a break. Uh, thank you very much to Bill Romanowski and uh, Gabrielle Vittori. Well done. Port Melbourne Sharks have got a couple of champions there. Wish them all the best for the rest of the season. And uh, keep us appraised if there are any changes. Lockie is going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk the women's game. Yes. Lo and behold, the young Matildas have been playing in Costa Rica. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Talking football and the state of the game in this country. Uh, Lockie Flanagan in the studio playing with all those controls. Uh, he's joined by Pakua, who's been doing a tremendous job behind the scenes. Uh, Pakua, uh, I just want to let you uh, give me your view of what just you've just heard. The goings-on in Port Melbourne, and uh, amazingly, Port Melbourne uh, Sharks were told just a week ago that their ground, their facility, which was pencilled in, is going to be one of those wonderful uh, training grounds for the international teams when they come for the Women's World Cup next year down under. Um, they're not going to be available the upgrade that they'd been promised, all the money that had been supposedly put to one side suddenly has uh, failed to materialise. What have you made of it? Um, I think it's really disappointing, George. Obviously, you know, with under a year to go he- heading into that Women's World Cup, I thought we'd have, you know, thinking you'd, you'd assume that everything would be organised and we'd have everything under control and we, we would be in charge of the situation and instead of allowing the situation to overwhelm us. But I think it's quite disappointing to have one of the, you know, you know, an NPL club that's doing well this year and disappointed that their facilities aren't going to be get better because not only is it important for the Women's World Cup, but it's important for our local competition because we want to get the best players. And if they're playing at the best grounds and at the best facilities, we, we produce that. And I think training facilities are really, really important, you know, not for just, the, you know, the big tournaments, but for the little things because those little things matter along the way to create those magical moments. And so I think it's really disappointing that, they only found out, you know, a week ago, and in such a in such a manner as well. Yeah, um, you're spot on. Can I just add, uh, what did you make of Gabrielle's um, uh, response uh, when when uh, the the women in the club heard what was going on? They felt shattered, and I'm reminded of a number of years ago when South Melbourne was uh, opened up Lakeside Stadium to the French national team. That is the team that had the quality of players like Zizou, uh, Trezeguet, Fabien Barthez. Now, they came here to play uh, the Socceroos uh, at the MCG. Now, they trained, that entire squad of superstars, trained at Lakeside uh, on a couple of occasions. And I can remember how many people had turned up. And in fact, 
I was there with five Socceroos, uh, or sorry, former Socceroos, and they were all sitting there in awe of what was going on. So even they, with their experiences, were in awe of the opportunity to see these French internationals, world-class players, World Cup winners, uh, training on their ground. So I can imagine how the girls are feeling and how the club's feeling. They're they're going to be denied this opportunity. Absolutely, George. You're not wrong there. And in terms of, you know, proximity in tournaments like this is how you get people involved. And by having, you know, the people who, these young girls who live out in in the city, by being able to, you know, go and see these teams training, you know, maybe it might be the Dutch team training. Who knows who's going to be training? You want to... Could be England. Yeah, you could be England. Could you imagine? Yeah, it'd be... You want to see it, and I think it's you know opportunity taken away from them that hopefully it can be resolved, you know, like amicably, amicably, and resolved in the way that that's good for football, so we can grow from this and we can learn from our mistakes because we can't have these situations happening We're so close to a women's world cup. And I empathise with um, the Port Melbourne, uh, the, the women's teams, and all the teams they have there because they are missing out on an opportunity to to be like oh this player sat here, this player was here because it's a, it's part of the history of that club. You know, further on down the line, you could be like this team trained here. And I'm sure the South Melbourne people are part of South Melbourne, you as well, George, you, like, as you spoke about, you remember having that French national team. Oh. There and you, you talk oh. about it with pride and say, our club did this, your club didn't get to do this, you know? And I think it's unfortunate that that opportunity has been taken away from them. It was extraordinary to watch them train and, Zizou and Trezeguet kicking the ball to one another and the ball didn't bounce once in 20 minutes, Pukua. Think about that. Just think about that. We talk about, you know, how you see Maradona and others playing and Mbappe bouncing the ball. They hit the ball to one another. They were about 30 or 40 yards apart. Now, for 20 minutes, the ball did not touch the ground. I'm sure that would have been, yeah? you know, that would have been fantastic to watch and uh, mind blowing. better than, a, mind blowing. Better than a, but, an actual football but, game. I was going to say... You know something, though? I, I haven't given up hope, and Lockie will appreciate where I'm coming from. You know what's happening in the next few months? There's a state election. Yeah. You know how you can become a real big hero? Yeah. How do you do it, Lockie? Uh, building a stadium in Dandenong, I would have thought you. Well, no, no, no. You, I'm talking about Port, Port Phillip Council now, or the state government and Steve Demopoulos. Uh, can you imagine if they suddenly found a way to appease all parties and deliver something that was promised three years ago? Yeah. Everyone felt assured, delighted, thrilled to bits and honoured to say that we have a boutique Port Melbourne facility, ideal to be a training ground, you know, for a host of international teams that will come down under to prepare for the Women's World Cup to be played in Australia and New Zealand. Certainly. <laughs> yeah, certainly Do you George. reckon that's not a bad idea, Pakua? Yeah, George, I, I think <laughs> this is, you know, it's a really big learning point that we can, because the, the game of football needs to grow in this country. We've, we've known about this for a long oh. time, and it, these little things that keeps happening, it's they're hurdles that don't need to be there, and we need to really invest in, you know, stadiums and facilities to, to get the best talent and to attract people to want to play football and stop wanting to, not stop, but choosing football um, instead of other sports and we're losing talent that way because they go, oh, my local club, you know, these are the facilities they have, but this other code, these are the facilities they have and they might divert to a different stream because we aren't providing the correct facilities. So 
we really need to work on that and build this game in this country because it has a place and it sh- should be one of, you know, a national pastime. I'm going to say it one more time. There's a state election coming up. There are major opportunities for players and others, key stakeholders to make a difference. Let's see what can happen. Now, Pakua, we brought you into the studio for a big reason. We we appreciate very much all the work you do behind the scenes. But when we get you in front of the microphone, <laughs> it's even more exciting because you and I and Lockie have been not only watching the Australia Cup, which is just getting to that stage now that's truly exciting. But there's been a young w- Women's World Cup, the, uh, what is it, the under-20s? Yeah, the under-20s Women's, Women's World, World Cup, Cup yeah. happening in Costa Rica. And the young Matildas, because I think North Korea pulled out, decided for political reasons, chose it wasn't apt for them or maybe COVID challenged them too far to travel to places like as exotic as Costa Rica. So the young Matildas got a chance to play what did you make of their three games? I think it was... Oh, I, I, I'm trying to think of the, the right words, George, but I think you can see why they didn't qualify for the tournament the traditional yep. way. Because yep. no, 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 the, the no. playing style... When I watch the young Matildas, they are the... Like, watching these young squads, they are the epitome of how our national development is going, how we are coaching these players, what type of style of football do we want Australia to show to the rest of the world? And I, watching the young, the under-20s, it was almost as if they had a game plan, but they didn't really believe it. And at times yeah. they looked like they were overthinking things because they were like, what was the, what's, trying to remember what the coaches had taught them. And it's almost like they didn't believe it. So when they were going forward, I love it. Yeah, when they were going forward, there were gaps that there shouldn't have been there. And, the fluidity you see in, you know, some football teams just wasn't present with this under-20 squad. And I think this is a real moment where we can need to learn and figure out our identity because there wasn't an identity that I saw watching them play these three games. You know, you are 100% right. I, you, you put it beautifully. You could almost see the girls thinking their way through the game. And you can't do that, can you? In any sport, right. it's got to be instinctive. At that level... And especially in elite sport, it's 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 all reflex. It's all in in uh, learned behaviour. It's all conditioning and everything else that goes with it. Do you know the thing that really uh, uh, stuck in my in my in my throat was that in the opening four or five minutes, we opened uh, one of the best teams in the competition right up, and was it Garcia? Yeah. Uh, who's our young star? Who, who, who missed the open goal. Oh, oh Gallich? Gallich? Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, well, Gallich. That's right, Gallich. Now, she had, and I'm not blaming her for one minute, but can you imagine? Yeah. We're talking about they were so tentative that they've thought their way through it. Now, imagine if they get this bolt of excitement through their, through their, through their whole bodies because they've suddenly scored a goal in the opening minutes of this contest against one of the best teams in the world. Can you imagine? I'm not saying we would have won, but we would have shaken the opponent and we would have got the biggest confidence boost you can imagine. And at that level, you know what sport's like. It's played above the shoulders, yeah? Yeah. Anything is possible. But they didn't get it. They got they copped a goal early and it was like, oh, God. The first, but I love the experience. Yeah, I think that's the part the I've first, got to draw from it. Yeah, the first 15 minutes in that Spain game, they looked lively and they looked up for it, but... As the game went on, that 
the Spanish, like the way they played and the way they believed in each other and they trusted the skill of the other players next to them, yeah. it just overwhelmed them. And there was really big gaps defensively and with the midfield. And they just seemed to, the Spanish team just seemed to pass their way through the Matildas and, uh, not the Matildas, sorry, the under-20s. And they, they look lost at times. And honestly, if you go back to that Matildas game with the Spanish team, it was kind of similar in the way they just got broken up at times and looked as if they weren't quite sure of what they were doing. And obviously this under-20 side was missing some key plays that they would have liked to have had. But they aren't the whole, like, they are only a few and we need the rest to do more and we need to really invest in these players to figure out what we're doing because it's great that we have the Women's World Cup, but what's after that? What's after that? Yeah, yeah. But these are the players the that come. Yeah, these are the players that come after. So if these players yeah. don't have the support and they're not playing at a standard that's going to get us to the Matildas to progress every single year, what are we doing with our development? I don't want to be too negative because I'm reminded that a lot of the girls who who fronted up in Costa Rica have never played outside yeah. Australia. No. So that one, they've never played international competition. They're brand new to the team. Um, uh, many of them have never been outside Australia. Um, and people might say, oh, so what? Uh, it I, makes a huge difference. But I will say... Conditions are foreign. They, yeah, they, and they played in some atrocious conditions against Brazil, did they not? Yeah, well, the rain was the rain was horrendous. Oh. I will say, though, George, this group of players, they have played in under-20 tournaments together before. Like, the, these aren't... These are the regulars, and we've seen them at other tournaments, you know, leading up to it. Not tournaments, but games up to it. They have struggled at times against opponents that are a step above them. So we need them to, you know, go, we need to get better because it's great beating, you know, the nations that we are expected to beat, but those incredible moments can't happen when you can face, you know, the Goliaths and you can defeat them. That's the really important moments. Can I run something past you? And I want you to consider this for a moment. Um, What's the number one uh, competition in the world, Um, uh, you know, uh, league at the moment? Is it the Bundesliga? Is it Serie uh, A? Is it uh, La Liga or is it the EPL? Uh, in terms of women's football or uh, men's football? No, no, no. Just in football for a moment. In I f- want to make a, I just want to showcase a point and I want you to respond from that. I, I'd probably say the EPL is probably the biggest. Right. Okay. And why is that? Because any team can beat any team. That, yes. Any team can beat on their, team. on their given day. Yeah. I'm going back to that comment where you made a little a little while ago where you said, uh, we should be able to beat the teams we were expected to beat. My view in international football, that doesn't exist. There is no team you should beat. Um, I think we're not 20 years ago. We're 2022. Um, television and the world game as it's broadcast around the globe has given uh, teams and nations that w- were not that au fait with, with you know, technique and challenge, uh, sorry, and the way to play the game Everything now is uh, um, uh, interpreted 50 million times by coaches, uh, by pundits, uh, by um, assistants and everybody else. So they all play similar games. They're playing uh, similar formats, whether it's three at the back, four at the back, five at the whatever it is. So what I'm saying is those vast gaps that once existed 20, 30 years ago, because they were the countries were third world nations or they were new to the game and they were still learning it like the Americans were, who, who basically had put all their money in uh, NFL, baseball and so on. Suddenly now you can see 
where the game, even in America with their MLS, they're playing formats now and a style of football very different to what they were 20 years ago. So let's go back to the women now. My view is there is no bigger um, movement in the, in, in, in the sport than the women's game. And I just think we must take on board what's happened uh, in Costa Rica and give these young women more games to play so they can establish that pattern, as you say, uh, of whoever they play, they play their style or their method, uh, but do it with confidence and not think their way through it, but play it instinctively. And with um, there's a word called elan, with, that is with that rare energy we, that you do something with, with your own style on top of it? I, I, I 100% agree with you, George, in terms of, you know, developing these players and giving them the support because, you know, this tournament doesn't define them and their careers, they love right. these players are like 19. They're really, really young and and they should, you know, they, they, they should be allowed the grace to, to grow from this moment and not allow this moment to define them because I'm sure a lot of these players have tremendous skill and they just need the right, the right level of coaching to get them to where they, you know, they truly deserve to be. But I will say though, George, in terms of like women's football, this like the big sides, they don't become the big sides without, be, you know, being consistent. And that's what I think I oh, yeah. want. I want consistency because when I watch the likes of the, when I watch the Americans play and, you know, going to the Euros and seeing the growth in the Lionesses because the Lionesses had struggles and struggling against other teams and, they weren't playing as fluid as they were at the Euros as people saw, there are sides that you should just beat. Like, sometimes when you watch your team play on the weekend, you just know you should win those games. And I think in women's football especially, there are teams that you should just beat. But to take the step up... Let me ask you a question. That's an interesting point that you make. Let me ask you this question. Had the Euros final been played in Germany, who would have won the final? I think, I think that finals like that finals really like that German and English team really really close. Um, I probably would still pick the Lionesses because I think they're a better team. Really? Yeah, I think. Really, I would have thought, I would have thought that if they, the game had been played in Germany, Germany would have won because I reckon that, I, I reckon that the games are that close, the teams are that close. And what what was most interesting, the game changed with the impact provided by the substitutes. You, you're not wrong there, George, but I, the, the substitution had a massive impact. They shifted line. it. Yeah. They shifted it just to that winning edge. They had a massive. Is that fair, Lockie? Was that fair? Do you think that was a fair comment? Yeah, I, I would say that they uh, they definitely definitely made an impact. No, no. What I'm saying is, in those tournaments, it's the squad, the the quality and the depth of the squad that allows you sometimes to get over the hump and and win certain key games. Yeah. And it's abso- not just always the starting 11. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you have role players who can come off the bench, if you've got a deep squad, you've got players out there that are raring to go to prove they deserve to be starting, then they can come on and make a, a significant impact. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that one. Kakua, you remember the, uh, the, the girl who scored the... Uh, that uh, that goal that, that that pushed Britain ahead. Remember how excited she was? She ripped yes. off the top and oh, ran yeah, absolutely, around. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the, the, those moments. I, but I want to see those moments for you know Australian teams. That's all I want, George. I, I want. Oh, no. I know. I, I just want consistency, and I want. I want to when I watch the Matildas or Under Twenties or Socceroos or whoever. 
I just want to, yeah, I yeah, want yeah. to see identity and I, I want to see good Well, football. the A-League... A League women's at least is now going to be a much longer, yeah, much yeah. much deeper competition than it was to, ex- uh, a year ago. Exactly, and I'm excited to see that that how that allows the game in Australia to grow because unlike men's football, which is established and has its roots wherever, like wherever and the the the, yeah. the big leagues yeah. are the big leagues. Women's football, there are areas for growth, and I understand that we play in a different you know time and we play it. A little bit like early, like later, or I can't remember if later early, but we played a different time to a lot of the other leagues around the world, the big leagues around the world. Yeah, I think the yep. I think the A League Women's has the potential to grow and become one of the biggest leagues in the world because we've had players of tremendous talent play in this league before. We've just allowed other competitions to surpass us and overtake us in in every way. It's all about the money. Yeah. It's all about the money. So yeah, you're inv- 100% yeah, right. As we talk about the we, Port Melbourne I, thing, I want investment. That's what I want in this game. Yeah, no, no, 100%. Your, your, your point is well made. We've had international players, women's players here, who've come, garnered experience and gone back to play for, for America, which is the number one team in the world, or to play for Germany, wherever. It's most exciting. And I think this new A-League women's competition is going to be super exciting. And it is the beginning uh, of something brand new, a new era in the game. And Lockie and I have talked about this in the past and some people have poo-pooed the idea when we first said it. I believe we can have a revolution in this game, but it will be led by our women. And I've never been more sure about something, especially after what I saw in the Euros. The women's game now, look, the English pundits, the English newspapers and the TV stations and everyone else do not get as excited as this and and lose their cool unless it means something. So stand by Australia, because if our Australian team manages to do, uh, you know, provide the sort of campaign they are, they are capable of. I'm not saying they will, but if they if they get close to to do to delivering some of that ability. Uh, then it's going to be a, a seriously exciting competition from everybody in the country getting right behind them. Yeah, no, I'm excited for the A-League women's season. I've been, we have such a long off-season and I'm sure a lot of the players who are you know, currently playing in NPL 2 and have gone overseas would, you know, are excited to come back and play the A-League women's competition because, oh, as you said, they, you know... They probably can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> hey, by the way, speaking of this huge off-season, uh, you know what it does... Uh, afford people though an opportunity to play in the Australia Cup. There's a guy sitting next to you that had uh, his inaugural uh, debut last night for ten. I was there. um, You know, we had we were. I was watching the game and call and doing the ground announcing for Oakley. But we, me and uh, Nick, certainly had that game on and we were listening to Lockie and he did an excellent job. (laughs) So, did you did you manage to keep Debano under control? I, I think I easier think, said than yeah, done. Think, you would know that, George. I think the Nick, I think the Nick was uh, trying to make me stay calm because I was very stressed out by that um, that game. But uh, we had a lot of fun, and we're very proud of uh, Lockie and Josh for getting their I, first I thought, calls I on both ten. Are, well, I'm, I'm not so I'm not so um, uh, excited about Josh because <laughs> he was he was he was given the unique opportunity of doing the commentary with a, with with one of his heroes. So yeah. he was a fanboy for the night. He, you know, at least. At I mean, least Lockie I've had seen some serious work to well. do. George, I, I don't know if you caught it, but I've seen it on Instagram, you know, good job, buddy, from Archie Thompson. I said, Josh, yeah, hook me up. Make me friends with some of, your, some of your cool new celebrity friends. What's going on? Oh, yeah. Lockie.
Lockie, please, you know, so spread the charm, mate. Spread the charm. I mean, if I if I could put forward the point that I grew up uh, listening to games that Andy Harper would do for Fox <laughs> for many, many years, it's yeah. maybe not quite the same as Josh, who no doubt has um, cried tears of joy through many, <laughs> you know, famous Archie Thompson goals. Uh, you know, I, Andy Harper has never induced tears of joy within me, but I certainly have enjoyed listening to him. <laughs> I accept that there are different scales to these things, but uh, yeah, still uh, nice sp- to share speaking, the airwaves with him. Sp- speaking of different scales, uh, let me make you feel very, very young. I, I remember calling Harper's, one of Harper's very first games wow. for wow. Mark Coney. Wow, George. It was a long time ago. George, you're still a young man, so it's okay. You're still a young yes, man. Yes, 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 yes. My first, my first uh, uh, NSL game uh, was 1981. Uh, my first NSL Cup was 83. And I think I stopped calling in 85 because uh, they, they said to me, you've got the news to do. Let, let somebody else do the football. But I can remember a young Harper, very excitable young player, and like to push his weight around, so you can remind him next time, Lockie. Well, and it wasn't it wasn't very long into his playing career that he ended up jumping into the media as well. It was quite funny. I think you couldn't, given that Brisbane City's coach Matt Smith has been one of the, if not the busiest man I've ever seen at a state football level, player coach, uh, technical director at Brisbane City, director of football at Brisbane City, and he was in the Whit Sundays. Uh, on the Paramount commentary or the Channel 10 commentary for MacArthur Bulls against Mackay Sunday at Magpies Crusaders. I have never seen a single man who has done that many things in a single season. And then I was like, well, good thing I'm with Andy Harper because he was someone who did have to do those media and playing commitments. He didn't retire and then go into the media. He was playing and doing the media. And he turned down opportunities to go elsewhere, to go overseas because of his desire to honour those commitments. So he was kind of the well, perfect person well, to be put into that game. Well, let, let, let me let me remind you that there was a guy called Richie Benno who did exactly the same thing. Mm. Richie Benno was learning the caper of calling the game and reporting on the game when he was playing uh, county cricket in Britain uh, in the beginning of his career, and he was the captain of Australia. So, you know, it, 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 they're not the first to do it. They're the first of many. Uh, to follow the path that's been set by others that came before them. But, uh, look, I'm very excited for you both. Uh, it's terrific stuff. We've got to make sure we keep Bakua uh, as relaxed as possible because we want a long career from her, not a short career. Uh, Pakua, what, uh, just before we go any further uh, and we, we close the show, uh, women's, the women's game is so important. We need to back it. We need more women uh, broadcasting. We need more people calling the game. Uh, you, have you put your hand up to call the uh, Women's World Cup next year? Oh, I haven't put my hands up, George. I'm just trying to get my uh, hands around uh, the... No, no, no. Don't worry about putting <laughs> your, getting your feet under the table. Get get your hand up because you, you love the game. I know you, you know the game. And we need as many young women uh, who are passionate and care about it to be part of this next generation of broadcasting talent. Uh, Lockie and, and, jo- uh, and, and Josh are... The, the next the next group who are getting their their early runs on the board and that promises some wonderful things uh, some great things to look forward to what did you make of the Australia Cup matches last night I really enjoyed it I can't believe that every game except for one went to extra time 
Yeah. And uh, that yeah. was and two and half of them fifty percent to I'm penalties. Gonna be, I'm going to be biased and well, you know, as an Oakley fan, say the Oakley game was the the best game of the of the night. Well, as a viewer, as a viewer, and you know, streaming is not as easy as flick the button and you switch. You've got to close it and you open another stream. Close it, open another yeah. stream. Well, I had. I had the Melbourne City game. Thankfully, it finished early, which then allowed me to go to Adelaide. And I was and I was flicking through the Adelaide uh, derby. I was flicking through um, Oakley. Uh, then then the, the goings on at Avondale, uh, and it was look, it was terrific football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I loved watching uh, Charlie Austin play up and, uh, and give us that, a, a, you know. Yeah, well, I, I loved he, watch- he loved it. I, when you say I loved watching him play, I can't tell whether you mean you loved watching him play as an actual striker leading the line from no, Brisbane no, or as up. the pantomime no, no, villain. No, yeah. no, no. no. I, love, I love the pantomime. Oh, look, I'll tell you what. It's interesting you say pantomime villain because I understand from Josh, from some tweets that Josh uh, dropped on us this morning, that Charlie actually went into the ground, uh, went into the training rooms, yes, and congratulated Avondale for, and said for the, that the, the better team that lost they, on yeah, the yeah. day. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, well, you you don't have he didn't have to do that. No, I no. Thought, I thought, it was, I, I thought I it was think, a measure, um, a measure of the guy. Yeah, and I think we're already seeing even before a, a competitive ball has been kicked by Charlie Austin in the A League men's. Obviously, the Australia Cup is competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The kind of character that we'll get, and I think the course over the course of a twenty-seven game season, uh, having someone like that can only, only, only be a, be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think he's, the, he's more than that, guys. He's more than that. He's he's a marquee. Yeah, and he's putting more into the game than just playing on the field. Yeah, and I, I and I think a lot of I do think that the A League has been lacking that sort of thing it's yep. Yep. you get characters, characters. uh yeah. you get top players who want you know very little to do with the environment around them uh you really strike gold if you can get both and i don't think that's something that we've ever had really uh and yeah who knows no. maybe uh, uh, even though charlie uh, Austin's del, piero. Not, del piero was pretty good no no he, he was good but i'm not sure he was always 110 percent on the the community outreach he did do a, a, a lot of stuff he's probably the you know the the number one person that that we look to. All right, but you question know, without notice. Question sure, without notice. Sure. Best tweet you've seen. Pakua? Oh, God, Lockie. Best tweet you've seen this week best on football. On football, Josh and Lockie yep. announcing that they're going to be commentating. <laughs> that's a cheap. That's a cheap answer. That's a cheap answer. No, you know what? You know my my favourite tweet, and it's a bit cheeky. It's the shot of um, Antonio Conte. Head down, oh, yeah. oh, walking yeah. along the sideline in 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 sort of you know, in thinking mode, and this guy called Thomas Tuchel running past him at a million miles an hour, and the uh, words on the side there saying, "If I'd known you were running by, I would have put my foot out and tripped yeah. you." I think that was better than <laughs> which the whole, I thought was uh, just the whole uh, tussle between those two. Yeah. Correct. The yeah, correct way. Correct way. Listen, uh, I think we've, it's almost time for us to go. Can I just take the opportunity to thank you both for uh, contributing and helping to make this this uh, busy hour go so quickly? Uh, our thanks to Gabrielle uh, Vittori and also to Bill Romanovsky from the uh, Port Melbourne Sharks for giving us a sense of uh, an, an important story that needs to be pursued and followed through. And if there's an opportunity for either the council at Port Phillip or the state government to step up and indeed enter the breach and and make something happen uh, at uh, Port Melbourne for the Women's World Cup next year, it would be fantastic.
So thank you once again. Catch you next week. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.